0: Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is, You Did This To Us. Hello everybody, my name is Brett Stewart, joining me as always on this wonderful evening, David Luzader, how are you? uh man I'm, I'm doing all
1: right you know i once lived in a world where i had not seen the movie the bodyguard and now i exist in a world after i have seen the bodyguard and um it's a little bleak on this side it's a little bleak
0: yeah pre and post bg <laughs> it's a wonderful you know, time really now,
1: yeah my life is now in two sections
0: yeah yeah that's probably a good way to break it down and that of course alludes to what we watched this week but introducing our other wonderful co-host nicole davis how are you
2: i'm good i watched this last night and as with so many of the you did this to us choices many times i paused this film and said how is there you know, yep. an hour and forty-five minutes left. An hour and twenty minutes left. How is there thirty-six oh. minutes left after we find out who the bad guy of the movie is? <laughs>
1: six six um, minutes into this movie, I paused it and I was like, how have only like, six minutes gone by? That felt <laughs> like twenty.
2: But you know, I'm I'm equipped to talk about it. I have this lovely beverage in front of me that tastes <laughs> roughly cake batter with rum in it. Uh, which is my eggnog, and that is going to get me through. So,
0: Well, we that means we, we did watch The Bodyguard, 1992's Bodyguard. There Apparently, there's some new Bodyguard, like a TV show, and everyone I talked to this week there's thought on we were Netflix. watching
2: that. No. Yeah, the one no, on Netflix. No, and arts. there's a couple of martial arts movies called The Bodyguard. But the one
1: on Netflix is supposed to be, well, it's a BBC show that is uh, that bought up by Netflix. It's supposed to be
0: very good. Well, this isn't uh, and it is. The- I wanted to
2: pretend that we thought it was one of the other ones. But no, uh, we, you guys we knew
0: didn't what it was. We, knew, uh, what we it was. knew we knew. Uh, but you know what came out in 1992. But before I give a, br- a brief rundown to the bodyguard, I do want to remind folks that if you didn't have an opportunity to vote in this, you did this to us. Then you should go on the Facebook and the Twitter and follow us over there. That way you can get updates on those when those lists come out every five weeks um and if you did vote on this then then you did this to us that is the name of this segment uh but the movie we're watching the bodyguard from 1992 pop singer rachel Marin has been receiving threatening notes and her manager hires frank farmer a bodyguard with a reputation for being the best frank haunted by the failure in his past ruffles rachel's feathers and those of her entourage, by tightening security more than they feel is necessary. Eventually, Frank and Rachel are drawn toward an affair, and she begins to believe his precautions are necessary when the stalker strikes close to home. Isn't is it fair if, like, no one's... Yeah,
1: she- I, don't, I don't understand. Well, I guess because they're he's a client professional, but that's sure. not... yeah.
0: Sure. Now, real quick, though, before we go into this dumpster fire and root around, uh, David, (laughs) you have the opportunity to bring us something that's not this movie next week. And I I don't want to forget to mention that. Next week is a new rotation, new to two. That means myself and Nicole have not seen this movie. What are we watching next week so people can follow along?
1: Yes. So we will be going back in time next week. We will be going back to the year of 1960 and watching the Magnificent seven. Now, some of you might be saying, Oh wait, isn't that a Chris Pratt movie from like a year or two ago? Uh, You mean the generic Western action movie that probably wasn't very good? Uh, No, this is the original movie. That's subsequently based on another movie. Uh, We'll talk about that. I'm sure. But Neither of you guys had seen it, and I think it's a great time to dive into some uh, important films of cinema history. So, the Magnificent Seven.
0: Fantastic! I love myself a good nineteen sixties western. Looking forward to it. Uh, now, by the way, you know who else is a really big nineteen sixties western fan? Is Kevin Costner. Uh, I learned that. <laughs> no. I I know I learned that through the x-ray facts on this Amazon Prime video rental of mine for the bodyguard because I realized that they had nothing interesting to tell me. So they would (laughs) just tell me things like Kevin Costner owns a farm and I was expected to care. Um, And that's kind of like a lot of this movie where I was expected to care. (laughs) And it's very hard. (laughs) This movie goes on and on
1: well it doesn't it doesn't
0: it doesn't just go on
1: it's that there's there's nobody likable there's nobody to really attach yourself to in this movie uh kevin kevin costner's frank farmer is uh, boring (laughs) (laughs) it's to put it (laughs) in short he is a wall uh somebody put it in our slack that just that somebody had called this movie the bitch and the board uh,
2: <laughs> that was me. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's
0: a very apt description of of these people. My god. Yeah, no one in this movie is likable in any capacity. Well, you're you I mean, no, Henry, Henry's a good dude. Henry
2: Henry the is, driver.
0: Yes, Henry, like Henry the Henry the uh chauffeur that is Who? taken under the wing of Frank Farmer to really do a lot of things he should get paid a lot more money for. Uh, They
1: build him up like he's gonna have this really big moment where he kind of saves the day, and he never really does.
0: No, not at all.
1: (laughs) Like they make it seem like oh, he's like the kind of intelligent one that like that questions things, and so like okay, you know, he's learning how to do all these driving things. Like oh, there's gonna be a really important driving. Nope, nope, there's not at all. Uh, Another character I just want to point out though is Bill. We barely ever really see Bill in the latter half of the movie. Played by the wonderful Bill Cobbs, who we uh, watched in another podcast lifetime ago. In, ju- oh. in uh so um,
2: Devane is the character
1: Demolition Man. Is what I'm thinking okay. of. Yeah. Uh, he was the old old man, Demolition Man, he's the old man in this as well. The one that hires him originally, the one, the only one who makes any sense in Rachel's yes. life <laughs> that she right. ignores at every chance. So, uh, but yeah.
0: What really bothered me in this movie that I'd never noticed before, and I'd seen this movie several times. My mother loved Why? this movie. I, I grew up around <sighs> this movie. It's it's a very weird thing. I can't explain it. But they don't know how to spell her name. And no. I noticed this several times and then looked it up online and I wasn't crazy. There's two different spellings of her last name in this movie. There's one that includes the O at the end, and then there's like one that includes an A at the end. And then there's several times in the movie where her name is spelled Rachel without a second A and with a second A. And I feel like that lack of attention to detail is just exuding through every other (laughs) aspect of the script. Written by Lawrence Kasdan. I cannot get over how frustrating that makes me.
2: Yeah. Okay. Lawrence Kasdan, oh
0: boy.
2: It's his first script, to be fair. It was in development hell forever where it should have stayed. Um, but, but yes, to be fair, this is the first screenplay he ever shopped around. So, but I'm going to look familiar, up. I though. suspect he's got a few that aren't great amid his his wild successes
1: it so it's one of those movies that um made uh, i can't remember what the list is called i want to say it's the blacklist but i don't think that's exactly right it's basically the best unmade scripts in hollywood
2: um yeah it's the blacklist
1: is that the blacklist yeah yeah yeah, it was it was part of that uh for a while uh another movie that was on the blacklist that was made recently was a movie called passengers which just goes to show that's because something sounds really good on paper does not mean it is very
0: good on screen. <laughs> and, and for those unfamiliar, Lawrence Kasdan wrote The Empire Strikes Back, Rears of the Lost Ark, The Big Chill. Uh, the big and then chill. Later came back and did stuff like The Force Awakens. So a prolific uh, and yeah. really uh, well traveled and accomplished scre- uh, screenwriter. It started with this. Now, this was written originally, and Nicole, you put this in our docket. It was for was, it was for Steve McQueen and Diana Ross. Diana Ross.
2: Diana Ross.
0: <laughs> that would have sucked too. Yeah.
1: Uh. No. If this was the script. It wasn't gonna. I mean, it wasn't gonna be very good. Well, but here's the thing, though. They had to update a lot of this.
0: Yes, they had to add an entirely unnecessary Reagan subplot that clearly was not in the original script because it hadn't happened. Right.
1: But yeah. Which just kind of makes me wonder, though. Like, what did this original, like this original script? had to look so much different from the seventies to the nineties that I just, I I wonder if maybe it was a much better script in the 1970s that just in the updating turned
0: generic and boring. (laughs) And that particular aspect of it becomes so incredibly dumb because it's even cited in this, in this little biography of the movie that we have or summary where it's like his one failure. It's like no, he took a he took a PTO day. Reagan got shot, and he, he's upset about it. He years took time and years off because his mom was dead.
2: Right. He was right. attending his mother's funeral right. on that. day. The, and, and <laughs> like you it, could not have a better excuse for not being on duty that day.
1: And I want to remind everybody, uh, Reagan lived.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, did not die
1: <laughs> As far as assassination attempts go Yeah, it's crappy But, you know, that's kind of how you want them to go If they're going to happen, where the target ends up living Like, what?
2: Well, d- yeah, although you gotta feel bad For James Brady, who was caught In the crossfire oh, uh, yes. So
0: I guess what I'm getting yeah. at, though, is that his entire Motivation for being the the Distant and Tragic bodyguard Is dumb <laughs> It is dumb. <laughs> yes. And so no, is the fact that well, he sleeps with his client and is and then immediately he, wakes up in the morning and is like, hey, bad idea.
1: He sleeps with his client so fast. It takes no time. That first of all, yeah. they have they have zero chemistry. They have no chemistry whatsoever. No, and she none. like approaches him and is like, Maybe you should take me out. And he does and they <laughs> sleep together. And why? What?
2: <laughs> yeah number one you know the the way they've painted his character this would never happen he would never sleep with his client no matter how feminine and attractive she was never never let's, never never but he does because the, the plot requires it let's review this date <laughs> let's just
1: go over he takes her to go see an old samurai movie that well, good was-
2: for him on that one
1: well yeah, Nicole, that works on you. But I'm like <laughs> on most it's like, hey, we're gonna go see a foreign language film and we're gonna go to like my favorite bar, which is a country western kind of dive bar. And then but I'm gonna take the you- brothers, man. I'm gonna take you back to my place where <laughs> I'm gonna show you my sword. That's not now a see, euphemism
2: All this would be working on me tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you,
1: you're not Whitney. Houston. But I am not
2: a pop star. No, I'm not Whitney Houston.
1: Awesome his feelings on this as you can hear. I'm yeah,
0: sure. l- let's let's <laughs> let's dial back to the sword thing because he takes Whitney Houston's character. Oh, back it's home, all wrong. And she picks ah. his sword up on the wall now, which is
2: hung all wrong.
0: So, yeah, so it's hung all wrong apparently, and also it's apparently strong enough or 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 sharp, sharp enough. enough. It is so sharp. That if you drop a <laughs> scarf on it, that it will slice the scarf as the scarf falls. Now, first of all, I, I know I cannot think of a woman that if you took her scarf and was like, "Hey, watch me do this," right? She'd be she'd be <laughs> cool with that. That, right, seems that like a bad probably idea. Cost, like I don't know a thousand dollars because yeah, that's a
2: thousand dollar Hermes scarf, man. You got second,
0: <laughs> yeah, and then second, why is she playing around with that thing? What? <laughs>
2: She puts so it she its- doesn't know that it's
1: real. But he does. Okay, she puts it she, yeah, she, and she he lets her like put it to his chest, which like if it's that sharp, like it's cutting into him. Like you've like that yeah. Sorry, your clothes that shirt is now ruined because it's now yeah. got a, a sword stab into it. <laughs> oh, it was so frustrating to watch that whole yeah. thing. And it's not it's a terrible foreplay.
2: Yes. had <laughs> I mean, a back and forth over, why does he have one sword and a rack for three? And you know, it's like, David called back to Wayne's world where it's like, <laughs> I don't even have a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate Iraq. <laughs> if
1: you're not careful, Wayne, one day you're going to lose me. <laughs> I already lost you. Get the net, guys. I'm just going to redo all of it <laughs> right now.
2: <laughs> That's okay. We can do that. a
1: superior movie that came out in the 90s, did yep. those movies come out in the same year? That's oh what God. I'm about to Google. Because 92? 92,
2: right.
1: they both came out in yeah. 1992. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, Wayne's World is a better use
0: of your time <laughs> yes. than The Bodyguard. Yes. So more believable
2: chemistry to... between oh, the
0: male and oh female God. leads. We are so I believe Mike right Myers
2: and Tia Carrera much more than I believe... <laughs> Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston.
0: Oh, it's rough. Now, now, Whitney Houston's character, Rachel, doesn't believe that romance either. For like <gasps> three fourths of the movie, every other scene. Um, and this scene we're discussing, where he takes her back, and he's like, "Hey, look at my sword." Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, <laughs> this
2: my real house. I'm letting you in to see my vulnerable side.
0: <laughs> right, and then and then he's all cold and and boring in the morning again <laughs> uh it's just a non-stop he's, switch it's it's complete non-stop of like i trust you with my life i believe you something scary happened to me and then immediately switches to i am going to disregard everything you are trying to do to help me
1: well you know, i want to go, go back for a sec at that date they were at his place right yes
2: yeah he it's was like creepy right
0: garden apartment hall. for three thousand dollars a week that he's making yeah.
2: No, no, no. This is his his real house. Like, his, yeah. his actual permanent base of operations.
1: He was getting ready to, like, do the whole one-night stand sneak out on her in his own place. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 okay. But anyway, no, Brett, you're totally right. This movie is full of moments of her being like, oh my god, my life really is in danger. Like, stuff is crazy. I thank you for being here for protecting me. And then, like, the second... That he gets like concerned, but then nothing happens immediately. She's like, What is wrong with you? You are ruining my life. What why are you
0: doing this? You're <laughs>
2: paranoid. You're horrible.
0: Oh, it drives me. Oh. <laughs> and and one of the parts of the movie that I do find mildly charming in its alarming no, way. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it is the fact that when he shows up. To meet Rachel because he has been instructed by his friend that this is a great paying gig and they need to keep this woman safe and she's got a young son. She's getting these creepy threats. People are breaking onto the property. Um, He shows up and says, you know, hey, it's Benjamin Franklin or something. I can't remember exactly what name he uses at the gate. And then later comes in and he's John Adams and he's Henry Ford. Uh, He gives the atomic number of zinc in order to get through the front gate because the security surrounding her Is so apocryphally bad and you must imagine that that probably is like that and maybe not nowadays but certainly like during this time period you probably had like pop stars that didn't take their security seriously nor really understood the value of good security and it's kind of alarming right off the bat just how easy it is to access her and literally her entire family yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then then, a casual household yeah a casual household everyone's on a first name basis that's right as opposed to a household where everyone goes by their surname
2: right except some dude nobody knows manages to waltz right in giving four different fake names on his way by all of whom are famous people yeah so it's it's A real
1: reverse Downton Abbey is what we're looking at here. Uh, I actually have never watched Downton Abbey. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. He said everybody's on a first name basis. So I was like, oh, that seemed like the opposite of Downton Abbey. Uh, Again, never (laughs) seen it. Uh, Probably a better use of my time than this movie.
2: No, the rich people are all on a first name basis, but they call all the poor people by their last names.
1: Uh, All I know is that I really like saying this is a real upstairs, downstairs situation in moments where that has absolutely no bearing no. on
0: the actual situation. <laughs> now yeah, but th- throughout
1: oh sorry, David, go ahead. Uh, no, it's it's just that initial C every there's okay, I can't keep saying that I was frustrated because I was frustrated the whole movie, but like, this, that scene where he first walks into her house and there's like they're shooting a music video or something, and there's like a million people there. I'm like, yeah, she kind of like should get shot, just like in this moment <laughs> of like, you don't care at all." And just, oh, can we talk about spy, Sly, whatever Sigh. the hell his name is,, Sigh.
0: Sigh. the British. Ooh. Cy Specter, and there's no way that last name was not chosen for a very specific reason.
2: Oh, no kidding. No, he was
1: he was a Bond villain that accidentally, accidentally wandered into <laughs> this movie, and they were just like, yeah, keep shooting. Nobody cares. <laughs> oh, he's so – for like, yeah, no, I'm going to tell her. It's, I'll tell her, and he doesn't tell her for some reason. I was convinced that he was the bad guy for most of the movie because like, oh, okay, he's trying to get her good publicity – or something like that through all right. of this. Or he like secretly hates her, which uh, it turns out to be the sister secretly hates her. But just, I hate Cy so much. I hate him. He's useless to the plot. Pointless. I He's hate horrible.
2: him. He's a terrible <laughs> caricature of a character.
0: Yeah, Now, now David did just bring it up, but the reveals in this movie as we start to learn who is bad and who is not bad and how this is all coming around... Um, are, are bad and and shouldn't be because we have a couple different layers here, all of which are kind of bad. First of all, you have the creepy guy, right? The pale skin, right. long, white hair. He's sniffing stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of uncomfortable sniffing, and he's in love with her. Apparently. No, he's not even in love with her. He's infatuated with her, but also sends her magazine cutout, threatening letters. Which, was he sending the letters? Yeah. He Is was he sending like a the letters third because person? because they matched the paste to him from oh, the right, right. from the letters, which makes no sense because then once the police find him they're like, "Well, we can't hold him for anything. All he did was wrote le- letters." Well, the letter said you're going to die like yeah they're very threatening letters so this guy is just as soon as we figure out that he's a thing he's completely discarded and completely irrelevant we now know the letters are from some creepy dude that apparently doesn't matter we then find out that the reason rachel well, is being hunted down no
1: let's not what? let this th- no no we have to bring up what this creepy guy really did which was break into her house and masturbate on her bed, like we have to talk about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that know. was that was always awkward when I was like <laughs> nine years old watching this with my mom. Um, <laughs> it's a really yeah. weird way to introduce the bad guy to a movie.
2: It uh, just well, it gets you to take it seriously. This, you know, the guy broke into her house and was let himself be vulnerable enough to accomplish the act where he could get caught at any moment and manage to leave undetected.
1: Oh man. I, I have all the times to have performance anxiety, right? <laughs> uh, but it just, it just points to like, why the hell was anybody trusting Sai to do anything with her? He's like this, what this guy did was totally gross and weird and she never found out that they kept yeah. her in the dark. Why? To what purpose does keeping her so in the dark
0: serve? Yeah. If anything, oh, it just makes to her, worry her more resistant to, right? Uh, because like when so- she does figure out things, she's like, has momentary lapses in good judgment, right? Or not even la- lapses of bad judgment that become good for very small periods of time in which <laughs> she decides that this is important to be protected. And now if she had known that from the beginning, maybe this wouldn't be as infuriating. But it doesn't
1: even matter. Once, I mean, even once she knows once a boat blows up in front of her, that was carrying her child that could have killed her or her child, or that, first of all, that assassination plot was horribly stupid. Uh, (sighs) she is like, I trust you so much. You are so right. And then as soon as he's like, Hey, I'm worried that somebody might try to kill you here at the Oscars. Uh, She's like she suddenly is like I don't Trust you anymore You've made me
2: paranoid damn You Never mind that it's totally justified
0: By the way you were Right somebody is going to try To kill me (laughs) but let's back up to Why somebody is trying to kill Her early on in the movie we're Introduced to the to the the jealous Sister archetype right she's She's the attractive But like, like, like. basically, she has all the things her sister had, right? She's attractive. She's, she's attractive, but just a little she seems bit intelligent. less. She's just got a little bit less talent, perhaps, but can sing when we learn. Like, she's a singer. But she's not In, the one who made it. Uh, her can sister I say, made it.
1: Can I say, she has better chemistry with Costner at the beginning. Yeah. Than her and
0: Houston yeah, do. she totally does. And she gets high and sends a hit out for her family? <laughs>
1: yeah she hates her sister so much she yeah. resents her so much that she hired somebody to kill her sister
0: right, right yeah. but, but let's not gloss over the how she hired somebody to kill her sister which was she got stoned went to a bar and started asking around for assassins which by yeah. the way that's how you get
1: arrested for looking for assassins
2: <laughs> yeah yeah, just show up in a random bar in East LA and talk to Armando, who will find you. <laughs> oh yes,
0: you. Armando. That name. Armando. And she's connected oh. with with somebody, and she says that she paid him, and that he'll she paid no. him enough.
1: She's never connected yeah. to him. She just she pays him like through Armando, I think. Yeah, but,
0: but, she, right, paid, but she paid. But she paid more than enough. enough. More than yeah. enough. Now. How much does an assassin really get paid through like a backroom bar deal that warrants them murdering somebody at the Oscars? That's 1992. Like a pretty ballsy money? move.
1: <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. I have to. I have to adjust for inflation here. Um, oh. No, I don't. Know. Yeah, yeah. Why the? Uh, I get it. it's the point where she's the most exposed, but also. Everybody's gonna see you do it. It's such yeah, a trope too. There's a too.
2: billion people watching. You yeah. don't think somebody's gonna at least notice a, a clue as to the identity Even, of the killer?
1: The way he was doing it, he was standing next to people, firing a gun. As soon as yeah. that happens, everybody's gonna turn and look at the guy who just very clearly fired a gun.
2: It makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever, him and choosing what that. Especially this since he used to be a bodyguard himself. Yeah. yeah. All of this so plots he are... knows when people are vulnerable. And... He was alone in a room with her. Yeah. He was alone in the hotel room with her.
1: There's so much. There's His plots are so convoluted and insane. Okay, I'll give a doll full of explosives. Well, that doesn't work. Uh, I'll fill up a a boat with explosives. That she might get in, uh, mm, that doesn't work. I'll shoot her at the Oscars. You were alone in a hotel room <laughs> where you could have strangled her. You could have sta- You could have shot her. You could have pushed her off the balcony. A million different things, and instead you just walk out. Yeah,
0: yeah. It gets it gets uncomfortably Pink Panthery. Uh, uh, that it just all these really elaborate plots to kill her and. What is with the eighties and nineties and the movie ends with the bad guy in the crowd at the Oscars? Because that's like nine different movies. Movie? What other movies, Brett? I had a list you here. Don't... I'll find them over. So, there,
2: I have mean, you guys not seen there's... movies
0: where it's like we're at an award show at the end of the movie?
2: Well, yeah, that's. Well, a, that's I a, mean, a there's probe. in the Line of Fire, where there's like this state dinner that the the assassin sneaks into and you know he actually gets himself an invitation under another name and goes to kill the president at this you know donor dinner but that's the only other one i can think of off the top of my head where they're in a well, there's you know, public gathering
1: there's pop star never stop never stopping uh in which <laughs> at an award show you have connor for real reuniting uh with the other members of his band by the way Pop star, never stop, never stopping. Great movie. Much better than The Bodyguard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to list other things you could do with your time (laughs) that are better than watching The Bodyguard. It's a long list.
0: Yeah. There are many. It is. (laughs) But let's delve into some of our other discussion topics. (sighs) Uh, Somehow, race is never, ever mentioned in this movie from Nicole. Yeah, this movie doesn't yeah. doesn't open that cookie jar.
2: It's yeah, and I mean this was this was at the time this movie came out, this was lauded as progressive. You know, there's a the the black pop star and the white bodyguard and they're drawn together and they have this whatever relationship and race is never ever 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 brought up in any kind of way whatsoever ever. And, you know, while that was super progressive in the 90s, we're looking back and we're just like, you know, there would be t- t- some stuff would come up <laughs> there. Would, it would yeah. take, you know, there's there's not, not a would, lot of if, movies where it, no. it, it influences who people are. It influences their backgrounds. It influences how they relate to other people. And. You know, it's just weird to not mention it at all at oh. all. It's just weird. And I mean, I'm not saying that you you know, uh, obviously, this is not it's so weird that they're having this relationship, and it's strange and right. there there's there's a lot of weird stuff about their relationship, you know, yeah, there's so much weird stuff about this relationship that hasn't zero to do with race. And apparently, Lawrence Kasdan didn't have any particular race in mind when he. Wrote it, although he, you know, was originally intended for Diana Ross and Steve McQueen. And did the script not address it then either, back in the 70s? That seems odd. I (laughs) don't know. I mean, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah, that could be it also. That could be him, you know, realizing that, yes, I am a white dude and I have no idea what this woman's, you know, Growing up would be like and I could make Some guesses and maybe get it wrong And screw up and make this Horribly inadvertently racist Or I could just totally ignore it So I'm just gonna ignore it no, I think so. you
0: know if he, Lawrence Kasdan A wonderful screenwriter But also yeah. Popularized by The movie that made Star Wars okay Because it had a single black guy like Empire, like Empire's response to racial criticism was just throw Billy D in there. Now, Billy D's great, but that was seemed yeah. to be George Lucas's band aid, um, t- to not get criticized, which he did again in the prequels. Uh, so I don't know if he has a very really, like, diverse palette of screenwriting.
1: Yeah, I- okay, look, Lawrence Kasdan. You know, Lawrence Kasdan has has written some classic movies. I'm not going to, you know, take away anything about Star Wars or uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or anything like that. Or but,
2: Silverado but, or, you know. Sure. But
1: there's like so few movies that we can actually like we would sit here. Around, you know, we sit around, and we talk about like, oh, that's a movie written by Aaron Sorkin. That's a movie that's written by uh, you know Christopher Nolan, Edgar Wright, stuff like that. There's a lot of Lawrence Kasdan's movies that I'm looking at, that I'm like we have i've never heard of that, and probably will never see it, like Mumford <laughs> or I love you to death there's Grand Canyon,
2: oh yeah. Grand
0: Canyon, yeah, yeah, you're completely right. It's not like I he' is in a dream yeah, catcher echelon. <laughs> um, he wrote dream catcher. Oh, man, you
1: wrote the screenplay
2: for Dreamcatcher. He yeah.
1: directed Dreamcatcher. Oh, ah,
0: yeah. Lawrence Kasdan, what are you doing? <laughs> now, it, it also seems to me like he one of the, the other the reasons dialogue, that- but plotting not so much. Yeah, so it also seems like one of the reasons that race probably wasn't addressed as as Nicole said, Kasdan didn't necessarily have any races in mind for the roles and when they were casting this movie, and Kevin Costner was an intricate part of said casting because he was a producer on this movie, Uh, they put a ton of different women through the ringer on this, including women like Dolly Parton, who did the original I Will Always Love You. Uh, He would not let Madonna audition because of a jab she made at him in a movie at one point. Uh, So a lot of white women auditioned as well for this role. And it really seemed to blow Whitney Houston up, right? Because that's that's the, the... Elephant in the room, the behemoth of the soundtrack, as Nicole likes to call it. Yes, <laughs> this made Whitney Houston a lot of money. If five, five hit record, five hit singles came out of this movie. Five. There's only like two songs in the movie.
2: There's no. There's like four songs in the movie that are. I mean, there's five total, but I mean, there's four that you hear more than once. Uh, I was very happy that I Will Always Love You, unlike how I remembered it, is actually only in the film twice. And one of them is a cover by somebody else. Um, They save it for the end. But you hear that I'm going to run to you song like 57 times.
0: endlessly, yeah. Yeah, uh uh-huh.
1: Yeah, and, and, and the here's music the thing video like is, I, it's horrible it's awful i hate that music video though uh i would say this is a music video for uh i will always love you it is a two hour music video yeah. <laughs> two hours and nine minutes i, I <sighs> don't want to say it's, it's not we not talking about like oh a movie that's like an hour and 50 minutes like no it's two hours
0: and nine minutes long and do you feel every second <laughs> yeah yeah, you do. No, and there I mean, are moments it, in the movie where it cuts to just being a music video. There's at least two scenes yeah. in this movie that are just straight up Whitney Houston music videos.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but she was at this point in her career, she was already a huge star. Yeah. That, so that's I, one of the reasons she was cast, I'm sure, is like, I, you know, we how big of a star can we get to be in this movie?
1: It also had to be a nice ego stroke of like in this movie you're gonna be you're gonna be acting as an actress who is so good she's nominated for best actress, just like I'm sure they told her she would probably be. Uh, oh, the,
2: this was her first acting job, by the way. It,
1: yeah. um, Can you the tell? scene, yeah, the scene in the <laughs> club where her fans almost murder her, yeah, is insane. Yeah it's yeah. insane i have i don't really have kind of anything else to say about it just that like <laughs> what are her fans like why are they worried about this one guy who's like into her house and, and cranked one out when like her entire fan base is apparently ready to eat her to absorb her power <laughs> that, yeah, was, yeah. That, that was one step away from that
2: happening yeah, and every time he sees things starting to get out of hand, and he like heads toward the stage, she puts her hands up like she's doing stop in the name of love, right? And she's
1: like, no, no this like, is usual. This happens
2: it out like she's stopping traffic. Don't
1: you worry, know, please they won't.
2: Let my fans get too close to me, and too, you know, overexcited and aggressive. Please let them keep doing that because yeah. that is going to be that's going to turn out so well.
1: Don't worry, they won't kill me they'll just drink about two pints of my blood and then they'll be satiated. It's the ritual.
0: (laughs) But no, 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 we're talking a bit about this in, in our Slack when all of us were kind of watching this movie on roughly around the same time. And uh, at first I was like, oh wow, Whitney Houston looks really great here. And then Nicole was like, yeah, but like look close. And I started looking kind (laughs) of close and I was like, oh yeah, she looks tired. Um, And this seems like it was maybe during and then slightly before she really hit a spiral in her life in terms of drug use. And there's something sad historically about this movie to me, I think, because Whitney Houston is so beloved amongst pop music fans. And this is like a, a really crappy movie to try to capture somebody that did have quite a bit of talent. And, uh,
1: yeah, so she during this time, um, she was getting close to marrying Bobby Brown. They got married in oh. in uh, July of ninety two. So while they were filming it, uh, also she, uh, told Barbara Walters that she had a miscarriage while working
0: on this film. Yikes! Yikes! Yeah. Um, and and, and the thing I really find weird about this movie is like, I don't think it's any of her. Best work in terms of music. I really don't. In fact, Nicole alluded to this earlier for us, but her cover of I Will Always Love You, I've never understood the appeal of it because it is so melodramatic and so orchestrally intense that it strips Dolly Parton's original song of the emotion and the purity of what Dolly was singing. And I because just a lot of people yeah. have not heard the Dolly Parton version.
2: Yeah. Dolly's version is, is sweet and sad and plaintive. And you really feel, you know, the, this sadness over a love that she just knows isn't going to work out, but she doesn't wish him ill. And, you know, she really hopes his life goes well. And, but she still loves him and she always will. And, you know, so that's, that's what that song is about. And it turns into this huge, massive melodramatic declaration of love to the world with an orchestra and like fireworks and howitzers. And, you know, it's just.
0: It banana. gets like Phil spectered it's, up in a way without Phil specter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's
2: just overdone. It's way overdone. And she's at least in the version that's in the movie the way that i heard it in the sound through my tv she's off key a couple times in that she song
0: she is and it's <laughs> and it's so schmaltzy i just i can't get into it now question quick diversion here would yeah. dollywood be the greatest experience ever or would it be miserable <laughs> because i was reminded I know, today be. of how much i love dolly
2: <laughs> dollywood's still there you can go yeah, I think it's, it's still yeah, no, open in
0: 1961. There. Oh my God. I kind of want to go now. It's, it. it's
1: operating season is apparently March to January. So you got to get on there because uh, they're going to be closing <laughs> up shop before too long. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, a recommendation and Nicole gave this to David and I last week. Uh, go listen to her version of this song. It's, it's stronger. And <laughs> at least in my opinion. And. I just, I don't know. I, there's something about the Whitney Houston part of this movie that just makes me very sad. Um, maybe part of that is like, it's in the public consciences last year because her family had a very public fight with Pusha T and Kanye West over the use of photos from her hotel rooms around the time she died. So like it, she's kind of back in the cultural conversation in that regard in not so positive hilarious.
1: of a light. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad, and I think that it's sad that this is the movie that exists to be the time capsule of her music. Um, yeah. But to pull us to pull us out of that, uh, <laughs> let's take a look at our discussion topics here. Uh, "Quote: Do you want to know why I behave that way? I know why. Do we?" <laughs> From Nicole, <laughs> who said that?
2: It's after the club thing. Frank gets her, sweeps her off her feet in the club, and. Oh, and a tremendously manly rescue swoops in with a fire extinguisher, clocks some dude, sweeps Rachel off her feet, boots several people in the face. Oh, he, is a, he, assaults, he assaults
1: so many people in this movie. He really does. Yeah,
2: yeah. well, he mean? he's got one concern for the safety of one person. Nobody else, just her.
1: To be fair, in that scene, he did interrupt the ritual in which they would all uh, gain eternal oh, use by by <laughs> drinking her blood. But then he said, why do they say the line that were said?
2: Oh, so he, t- he like brings her home and she checks on her son and then he tucks her into bed while she's still fully dressed and in all her makeup and she's going to be so broken out in the morning. <laughs> and, you know, she looks at him and she whispers, you know, don't you want to know why I behave that way? And he says, I know why. And I'm just like, wait, we do? do we-?
0: And, but keep in find that like this is a familial thing, the really stupid, almost rhetorical question. Because yes. the sister, when he finds out the sister ordered a hit on Rachel, she's like, yeah. don't you want to know why I did it? Well, yeah. you don't like your sister. <laughs> That's why yeah. you right. did it's it.
1: Super, it's super <laughs> obvious. Because you want your sister to be killed.
2: Yeah, she has everything, and you have nothing. So, yeah.
1: I get I, it. look, I, I, I understand being in someone's shadow is actually pretty difficult and all that. But I'll take that sister's life. I'll yeah, live in that.
2: You that know, bank house. your money, quit your job, and go do something else.
0: I don't think the sister was working. I think she was just living no, off. she
2: was, she was like, officially her producer, secretary allegedly. And a couple other things.
0: No, she, well, she's, yeah, she's credited but- as a music producer at her funeral. When because she dies, I feel like we glossed over that. She gets killed by yeah. the man that she hired to kill her sister, because yeah. he accidentally shoots her in their weird. Um, oh, that's another trope, right? Like going off to their retreat where the where like the the hero's parent, usually a father, like lives alone and tells you all about his youth and humanizes him. Like there was some Skyfall stuff going on there, and then they all gather around to watch them play chess. <laughs> I talked
1: about that for at least 20 minutes to my roommate <laughs> of just this is the most insane thing. It is 1992. Books exist. Books are more interesting than watching this bullshit yeah. happen. And then Kevin Costner <laughs> shoots at somebody by listening.
2: Yeah. Closes his eyes.
1: Yeah. His He's other senses immediately heightened
2: immediately right.
1: his hearing becomes superhuman
2: right <laughs> right which Except must not quite have happened so because when he misses he every out shot the <laughs> yeah he misses
0: <laughs> like it actually it actually seems to me in the pursuit at the father's house when they're all in the mountains in a mountain house and the killer comes and kills the sister it seems to me like that would have been the easiest time to capture him because how is he getting away It seems like he kind of just gives up on chasing him.
2: I don't know. He
0: he (laughs) gets in the car and drives away. Does he, though? Do we see him get in a car and drive away?
2: Yeah, the bad guy gets in a vehicle.
0: Okay, sure, sure, (laughs) sure. I I guess he was only paid to
1: kill the one person, but it's like, I guess he probably got confused and thought that was her. Oh, they
2: look very similar. That's totally what it is but we find out later that he'd met her. Right. So he couldn't have, I think he just was killing somebody who was in his way and didn't, you know, ironically did not know that this was the person who had hired him.
1: You just, you, you, you shoot everybody in the house. You pin it on the dog. This guy is (laughs) real amateur. Poor Oh What a great dog, by the
0: way, the dog dog in this movie.
1: The dog was the best. It's trained to sit by the, by the door of Rachel's bedroom. both dogs were the best, actually. I will agree. There's two really great dogs.
0: Yeah. Now, this is not the first time that we have seen a stoic, mysterious figure as the hero, as no. the hero of our movie. There's also yeah. Ryan Gosling in Drive, which we had watched on the show as well. Now, Nicole yeah. put in our doc, how to portray emotion by actually moving muscles in your face. I think it's because <laughs> Kevin Costner's face is made out of a burlap sack. Well, here's, here's the
1: thing. And I know you I... It. Right, you're not wrong. He is Leatherface, um, <laughs> but I, I will I will say I am in the minority here in the way of I don't think that Ryan Gosling is emoting in Drive. I think Ryan Gosling is equally as boring in Drive as Kevin Costner yes, is in this I, movie.
2: I recall that we disagreed on that point. Yes,
1: yes, you know, just had to say it to again. To
2: me, to me, it was a there was a clear compare con, compare and contrast to be made between Kevin Costner not really keep showing any emotion on his face and Ryan Gosling being able to show emotion on his face without really saying a whole lot. And it's just, you know, Kevin Costner, he's, he's got a, he can have a very good, dry delivery of dialogue. You know, he gets to do it a couple times in this movie. He actually gets to say some witty things in a, in a dry, witty manner. And they are thus amusing. Um, but he's not great at conveying emotion, especially subtle emotion. He's not no, great at it. It no, kind of has to be pretty big for it to come across. Yeah, I I'm trying to think of
1: what's a movie I really like Kevin Costner in. I
0: was about to say the movies that Kevin Costner is best in are vanity projects that he produces about how much he loves baseball. Like those are the movies he's <laughs> best <laughs> That's at. That's true. You know, for the love of the game, Field of Dreams. Like he's there's at least like three, Old four, or five movies of him making movies about him either playing baseball, coaching baseball, or loving baseball. Yeah, That's true. Those are I mean, Field true. of Dreams is great. I'll stand by Field of Dreams. I'm cool with that movie.
2: Yeah, everybody, you yeah. know, talks
1: about Dances with Wolves. Uh,
2: I like then, Dances with Wolves. Yeah, and I'm
1: not saying it's, it's necessarily There's bad. There's a lot of
2: flaws, but you know, it's it's well-intentioned. But then we have movies like Waterworld, and oh, I don't let know. us never forget.
1: Let us never forget Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves,
2: the Postman. Yeah. Know. Well, Don't you know what, guys? Like uh, Taron Egerton, yeah. hashtag
0: not my Robin Hood. It'll always be Kevin. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Okay,
1: I I was kind of bagging on Costner, but I forgot that he was in The Untouchables. So Costner's great. Yes. Take it all back. Yes. I love you. The Untouchables, is great.
2: he's great in that. Oh, he's he's so great good. in No Way Out. You know, he's, it's
1: that's we, a good movie. How can we watch the Untouchables for this? Oh guys, I don't want to watch the Untouchables. We oh, should not no. people should not vote for that.
2: Oh, oh I wow. hate that we, movie so, so much. So <laughs>
0: bad. It's not gonna work, guys. Oh. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean Kevin Costner is kind of an interesting figure because I feel like he's almost he's almost cage like in a sense, right? And I'm talking about Nick Cage. We're like there's so many bombs but there's also ones that people almost unanimously adore. But yeah, and But here's the thing. There's just enough of those for him to remain relevant.
1: Yeah, but there's the thing. Like when when Kevin Costner is like, oh, it's a, like, it's a Kevin Costner movie. It's going to be serious or over serious. It's a Nick Cage movie. Oh, it's going to be bananas. Even if it's <laughs> bad, I'm going to have a good time being like, what did I just watch?
0: When oh, Kevin I forgot Costner, he's yeah. also Batman dad or no Superman dad. He was, he was his new Jonathan Kent. Um,
1: th- but th- 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 if we're talking about bad Kevin Costner movies, you know, if, I'd, if I had to watch this or pay the ghost again, I would kill myself. Third option, <laughs> snuck it out. Uh, but if it really came down to it, I would rewatch pay the
0: ghost because at least I could laugh at that. Would you I watch a, this, this over storm. JFK? Because uh, I'm sorry, JFK. but I don't understand the love for JFK. Uh, I've that's only another seen thing. Like that, you know, I take half an back.
2: hour of it. it either has to be six a hour time.
0: Either has to be a baseball movie or a movie tangentially related to JFK because he's in like three of those. Except never playing. Oh, that's JFK. true. Uh, I really dislike Oliver Stone. Um. <laughs> Political movies.
1: Just throw that out there. So you, so just okay. like Oliver Stone movies? I mean, that don't, yeah. I don't. There's nothing really left. But I don't know if you want that. I uh, Snowden like was Alexander. fun. Uh, that's a political movie.
0: That's political. No, I I, I, I. By that, I mean presidential Oliver Stone movies. All
1: right, those are very different mm. things.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The Bodyguard. You guys did it to us. We watched it. Uh, yeah. I don't think it stands the test of time particularly well. No. If you want to watch a, a, a movie that plays around with this, or
1: a, uh, sorry, uh, something much shorter, it's a TV show that plays around with this in the best kind of ways. Uh, Simpsons Season 10, uh, Episode 9, mm-hmm. Married to the Mob, Homer Becomes a Bodyguard, and... Uh, And it features probably the best rendition of the whole, uh, I will always love you joke. And then, uh, when he saves Mark Hamill in this movie is very similar to when he saves Whitney Houston, but just better because it's Mark Hamill in a Simpsons episode. (laughs) So, you know, that's a better use of your 22 minutes. True, It's a lot shorter.
2: And I would say I would recommend if uh, you want to see a uh, good on screen chemistry, go back a couple weeks and listen to Out of Sight, um, which has chemistry that could burn your house down, uh, as opposed to one block of wood being thrown at another block of wood and expecting a fire to start somehow.
1: Here's, here's the well, just got to rub them together, which they did in this movie. Um, yeah, it
2: didn't do anything,
1: though. I here's the movie. <laughs> ours. Let's remake this. Uh, you keep Kevin Costner, though, but you replace Whitney Houston with George Clooney. Let's see where we get.
0: Oh, my God. Ooh. And you know what? I do I very quickly that. want to mention that <laughs> this movie had to be recut a ton right before it got put out. Like, we're talking in the last It seems like, like nobody edited it at all. Well, in the final month before this went out, they had to recut a ton of it to make Whitney come across as more likable because <laughs> as, test as audiences... Human? Hated her.
1: I I hate hate, her. She's still awful.
0: Her character is still kind of awful. Her character is terrible. Which again goes back to what we talked about. I think that is a good overarching takeaway from this movie is that if Kevin Costner is a slab of concrete and she's a witch to him at all times and just completely irresponsible and also like keep in mind all the terrible decisions she's making impacts her child. Um, Yeah. The That's sister is horrible. Like all of her entourage for the most part is horrible, except Mike Starr, God bless Mike Starr. Um really the only likable characters in this movie are like her kid and the chauffeur.
2: <laughs> well, and like yeah. the, the guy who hires Frank.
0: Yeah. Manager. Sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs>
2: But Oh, and uh, Kevin Costner's dad, who is uh, played by uh, Pa Walton. Oh, so,
1: yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> great.
2: Yeah. So, you know, and he got to deliver one of the better lines where, you know, Frank and her kid are out on the boat and she, she's very nervous and she says, he can't swim very well. And she's like, well, better stay in the boat then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That,
1: that, I will admit that line did get me of yep. everything in this movie that i was like yeah worth it for that one line
2: yeah it was worth all two hours and nine minutes for that it's one, one
1: of the few movies where i wanted to walk out and go speak to the manager of my
0: house to find out how to get my money back That's, <laughs> That's you true. put went on get your can i speak to the manager hat and yep. went and yeah.
2: who's responsible for this
0: yeah topanga did not give me my money back at
1: all nope she is uh, <laughs> very, She's a bitch. very bitch yeah she is it's true <laughs>
0: Well, we're going to be back next week with a new tattoo now that we are restarting the rotation. And again, that is going to be Yay. the original uh, Magnificent 7. So mm-hmm. that's going to be fantastic. Looking forward to that. David, where can people find you online?
1: You can find me around the internet under the username da- 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 Devlas. <laughs> I forgot how to pronounce the old username I use. It's as late for here, guys, behind the curtain. Uh, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me there. And you can find me also on the Brokebot Mountain podcast.
0: Very good. And what about you, Nicole?
2: Uh when you when I am not busy uh flying through the air on Kevin Costner's borrowed air trampoline, um I am care of our facebook page at facebook.com slash movie podcast and i'm writing reviews on letterboxd uh under nicole underscore davis i'm tweeting and my handle there is at your word whiz y-o-u-r-w-o-r-d-w-h-i-z
0: very good i also do very quickly want to mention that roger ebert loved this movie when all the other critics hated it uh for some oh, reason, there's just weird duds that Ebert was like, yeah, that's my kind of movie. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: and some great movies where he was like, oh, this movie is horrible.
0: Yeah, very interesting. But uh, yeah. you can find me, Brett Stewart, on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can, of course, email the show, studios.com. We would love to hear from you. And you can rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher but mostly iTunes. So check it out over there to help grow our audience and get more people voting on weeks like this so it gets increasingly more interesting and more terrible as we have to watch movies like The Bodyguard. Uh, But that's going to do it for myself, David, and Nicole. We'll be back next week with the original Magnificent Seven.